Our Testament reading tonight is John 17, reading verses 1 to 9. This is focused on Hallowed Be Your Name. Uh, This is a series where it's topical. We've been looking at the means of grace, at the ministry of God's Word given to us, at the sacraments that Christ instituted for His church, and prayer, the essential means of grace that God has given in order to bring forth the blessings of Christ's redemption within our lives. And we are finishing off with the study of the Lord's Prayer. And being a topical, uh, we are going to hear many other passages of Scripture that instruct us in this way. But I've chosen this one because the Lord Himself praying. Uh, This is really the Lord's Prayer. What we call the Lord's Prayer is an instruction to disciples on how to pray to God. It's useful as a prayer, but it is purpose to instruct us. But this is the Lord's Prayer and how he prays for us, even at the Father's right hand. So let's hear his word. John 17, 1 to 9. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven, And said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son also may glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world world was. Excuse me. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me. And they have received them. And have known surely that I came forth from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world. But for those whom you have given me. For they are yours. What a great prayer. May the Lord bless these words to us as we come to hear them proclaimed to the glory of Christ. The Lord's Prayer. Most of us as parents have taught it to our children. It's always a precious thing when at the age of maybe four or five they've learned it all and you see them there with their hands folded, their eyes closed, and they recite it. And you just hope in your heart as a parent that these are sincere words and that this five-year-old will be a 15-year-old and a 25-year-old and a 55-year-old who will also continue on in that life of prayer and walk with the Lord. Uh, It is the beginning of prayers, but it is a model prayer. It is a prayer that the Lord gave to teach us how to pray with wisdom and orderliness and fullness in our prayers. 
We last week looked at the preface, Our Father in Heaven. And we see even here, as Jesus was praying, where did he fix his eyes? Most of us, uh, out of some reason or semblance of not wanting to be distracted, most of us uh, close our eyes and point our head toward our feet. Uh, There's something to be said about posture in prayer. Uh, The only posture in prayer that's never mentioned is sitting. But knees, hands lifted up, standing or prostrate on the floor in deep contrition and repentance. But this idea of of posture, I just want to focus on it very, very uh, pointedly is one where we are fixing ourselves with our hands open to heaven, asking God and anticipating the reception of His goodness to us. And sometimes the posture of our prayer reflects more, uh, you know, how we are being attentive to our God. And so I, I set that there because what is the preface? Our Father who is... In heaven, uh, we are focused on Him. And perhaps that should dictate more in, in our presence. But when we begin that prayer, our Father in heaven, is it not true that for most of us, our focus almost immediately goes to specific needs or important issues or troubles Events that are happening in our life or in the life of our families and households or in the world. And I would suggest to you that this is where our prayers fall short. Almost immediately. Being consumed foremost with our needs and that shopping list of requests and being so focused there, we forget God Himself. And when we neglect God and our focus on Him preeminently in our prayers, our prayers become more consumed with our will and not His. And so we come here in the Lord's Prayer to the first, what we call the first petition, but I would also say the most vital petition the priority of our prayer. And this will affect even all of those other things that we ask and seek His help in, those needs and issues and troubles of life that that we have ready to lay before Him, that if we do not begin here with God Himself, we will lose focus in those other areas. And so in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us the priority of all prayer is the honor and glory of God. That stands out immediately when you look at the first three petitions to the next three. Your name, your your kingdom, your will. And that, that thought must and needs to come Before, give us. Forgive us. Lead us. Because our attention is understanding that God Himself 
must receive the glory in everything concerning our lives. And don't you hear the Lord Jesus indeed focused on that, even in His humanity as the eternal Son of God. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. I have glorified you. And now glorify me. The connection is there for us to understand. And when you think on that very first petition of of prayer, hallowed be your name. Isn't that something similar to even our very first catechism question? What is man's chief end? And his chief end is to glorify God. And by glorifying God, we find our enjoyment in life in Him, not apart from Him. And we come to this petition, hallowed be your name. It reflects in all of our thoughts, it means praying that God by His providence, even concerning our lives, would order everything for His own glory To be accomplished. And that makes it. A fearsome thing to consider. Because we are saying then. Oh God. My whole life is submitted. To your glory. However you see fit. I think of Job. We heard about Job this morning a bit. In that sermon about the Lord. Is our shepherd. But there's a point at which in Job 23 he comes to, when I, when I think of all that God has done against me, I yet tremble. Because it still could have been far worse. Can you imagine? But that's the reality of, of praying, hallowed be your name, because God in dealing with Job was purpose to exalt this man's faith in his God, ultimately to exalt him before his enemies. God was was looking to show to Satan, I am one who can redeem a man whose faith and trust is in me. And so God allowed all those things in Job's life to come for the purpose that, and you come to that at the end of Job, don't you? He allowed all of those things to be happening in his life that most of us would have been wiped out. And what does God say? I did this because I am the sovereign God. And you need to know that I have all power, all authority over all of creation. Who are you to question what I do? And so when you have those thoughts in mind, does not this, this petition, hallowed be your name, strike a measure of fear into our hearts. That, oh God, whatever it is, your glory is preeminent. And everything about my life, my household, my nation, whatever, everything is to be framed By this petition. Hallowed be your name. So what does it mean then? 
A lot could be said. You have your catechism question on the back of your bulletin. If you will take that and look there, our larger catechism asks this question about what do we pray for in the first petition? And the answer, in the first petition, which is, hallowed be thy name, acknowledging the utter inability and indisposition, indisposition, that means unwillingness, (laughs) that is in ourselves and all men to honor God aright, we pray that God would by His grace enable and incline us and others to know to acknowledge and highly esteem him, his titles, attributes, ordinances, word, works, and whatsoever he is pleased to make himself known by it, and to glorify him in thought, word, and deed, that he would prevent and remove atheism, ignorance, idolatry, profaneness, and whatsoever is dishonorable to him, and by his overruling providence, direct and dispose of all things to his own glory. Now, one sermon isn't going to encapsulate everything that is within this question, but I want us to consider what we pray when we pray, hallowed be our name, what is our thought and our intent of our hearts to be focused on. Well, the first thing is uh, highly esteeming the Father. Highly esteeming him. That comes right out of this this question. That very word hollow means to set apart, to regard as holy. Now when Jesus spoke that that petition to his disciples, I can assure you that they would have heard that phrase before in the Old Testament. They would have heard that that phrase and it, it would have stood for something in their thoughts. Perhaps less so for us because we don't know the Old Testament as well as they did in their generation. But there are at least three places where that word hallow comes out and and speaks to the soul. The fourth commandment and the Sabbath day. What did the Lord hallow for His people? A day in which they were to set it apart. They were to regard it as holy. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Why? Because the Lord your God has hallowed this day for you. A day in which He would come and meet with you and lift you up into those heavenly places to be with Him, to strengthen you, to show that He is keeping you. And it's interesting even as the law may have disappeared from our land and our courtrooms, it has also disappeared from Christ's churches. And you think about the Lord's Day, and how many of God's own people struggle to hallow, to keep holy what the Lord has hallowed. But there are other instances that would have jumped to their mind The area of worship. We heard this in Leviticus. Nadab and Abihu, Leviticus 10. 
Their desire to offer up to God in their own estimation what they considered was good enough or profane fire is what it is called. And they offered this before the Lord. He had not commanded them to do this. They went against God's holiness and God's way and fire went out and devoured them. And and as Moses and Aaron uh, heard what happened to Aaron's two sons, the Lord said to said to them in a very commanding way, in a very mighty way, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. <laughs> Hallowed be your name. Before all the people, I must be glorified. Not the inclinations of our hearts, not the will worship of men, but what God has made holy. But there is also another place that also really stands out in the history of Israel. And we find that one in Numbers 20. And and I share these three examples. there's, There's more. But I share these three examples because they respect this whole issue of us being engaged in communion with the Lord and seeking His blessing and His help in worshiping Him. How hallowed be your name stands out so preeminently. And here was a time when Israel in Numbers 20 was on the verge after spending 40 years in the wilderness, was readying themselves to come into the land of Cana and to, to possess it. After God had rid them of all of the faithless, rebellious ones who, who came out of Egypt. And, and Miriam has died and there's just Moses and Aaron left of that grand trio. And they come again to a time where the Lord is testing them. There's no water. And the congregation begins to grumble and complain against Moses. And they spoke, if only we had died with our brethren who died in the wilderness. Now we're going to have a terrible suffering death. Why did you bring us into this wilderness? And Moses is just, I, I, can, I can see it in his, in his head. He's just, the, the wheels are turning. The wheels are turning. Here we go again. And and there's frustration in Moses and Aaron's own hearts. And they go to the Lord and the Lord says to them, Take your rod, you and your brother, and go and stand by the rock and speak to it. You might think, well, what's the difference between speaking to it and striking it before? Well, the difference is this. God wanted to bless His people. In their needs... The frustration of the people was welling up and God could see it. But He did not want to discipline them. He wanted to show to them that He would be their shepherd. That He would give to them the living waters that they needed to be sustained. That they would see, yes, our God is with us. God wanted to hallow His name. And in this case, my friends, as hard as it is for us to comprehend, it wasn't the grumbling, complaining people that interfered with God hallowing His name. It was the frustration of the leadership of Aaron and Moses. 
And in his anger, he strikes the rock. And God comes to him and said, You interfere with my name being hallowed. And we know that Moses and Aaron were not permitted to go into the promised land because of that. Doesn't that sound harsh? But I I set these examples before you to see what this prayer is entailing in our lives when we say, hallowed be your name. And some of the struggles and some of the troubles and some of that obedience that is necessary for that prayer to be honored and uplifted in our own lives. It is difficult. This prayer, hallowed be your name, is a prayer for God. God, it's a prayer to the Father, but it's a prayer for the Father to come and to exalt His holy name wherever He is pleased to make Himself known. It is a prayer for God even to work in us and enable us and others to do so. And if we miss that prayer, we quickly devolve in our prayers to making everything about me, myself, and I. We miss the glory of God. My friends, we have had God reveal Himself to us. Not simply as a God who stands over the world as a God of justice and judgment. But as those who have been redeemed by Christ, He stands over us as a Father. Christ stands over us as a shepherd. The Spirit of God stands, well, you could say over us, but within us as a helper and covenant, uh, uh, comforter. His name has been made known to us. And everything about God is, is holy, but especially His name. Psalm 11, 111 verse 9 says, Holy and awesome is His name. Think on those two words for a minute. Holy and awesome is His name. Now tomorrow I want you to do something. As you interact with people, and perhaps this will come from your own lips. I want you to count how many times those two words are used. Not in expression of God, but of a whole lot of other things of this world. Holy and awesome. And you think of everything that is attributed to those two words. You see what God is saying to us. We live, as the catechism question says, in a world that is unable and unwilling to hallow his name. We hear the way that his name is used, and you think of the third commandment there too. We live in a world created by our God that has no regard for his name. How God is now coming and saying to us as his people, Will you not highly esteem me? Will you seek the honor of the name of your Father and the glory of your God above all else? See how important this prayer is? We know that sin makes 
All of us unable and unwilling to hollow God's name. Even when God does something good. (laughs) And, And God does. God's mercy meets this world every day. And yet, how few step back and acknowledge and highly esteem the Father. Think of it even in the time when Jesus healed those ten lepers. Nine of them were were Jews. One was a Samaritan. What brought them together, and, and it wasn't because they loved each other, what brought them together was this disease that cut them off, all of them, from their own people. It's the only way a Jew and a Samaritan would get together is, is because they had no other fellowship with anyone else because of their disease. And you know the story in Luke 17 when Jesus, they cry from, to Jesus from afar and they say, Son of God, heal us! And Jesus does. You know the story. He tells them, go and show yourself to the priests. And as they're going to show themselves to the priests on their, on their way, they, they're healed and they all start, ju- you know, if you will, jumping up and down, rejoicing. We've been healed. And it's only one of them that stops and realizes the goodness of God has met him. And he turns around and he goes back and he gives glory to God. And you hear Jesus lament. There were ten of you healed. Where are the other nine? And, and it's, it's a lament of Christ. Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? You see what God is saying with this prayer. Hallowed be your name. He says, above all you, my people, will you not give honor and glory to me in all Things. And so this petition of calling upon the Father is a petition to say, Father, by Your Spirit, help us to overcome our inability, even our unwillingness, to truly hallow Your name as it should be. And you know, that is how Christ truly permeates this prayer. That's the thing about the Lord's Prayer. You don't see Him saying, and close your prayer with, in Jesus' name, Amen. Because this is where Christ meets us. How is it that this wretched sinner is able to say to God, let your name be hallowed in my life. It is only through that atonement of Christ. It is only through that righteousness of Christ that enables us to offer to God that which can glorify Him. And that brings us to the second point. Not only to highly esteem the Father, but to glorify the Father. And again, you see that twice in the catechism question. Uh, About halfway down it says, And to glorify Him in thought, word, and deed. And by His, the last line, by His overruling providence to direct and dispose of all things to His own glory. Now, my friends, you may not realize it, but this is where this point meets us, even in our needs and our shopping list that we set before God in our prayers. Glorify the Father. Father, in all things, may you be 
exalted. May you be the one that people see and are able to give honor and praise to. To glorify means to cause the honor, worth, and dignity of someone else to be acknowledged and made known. Say that again. To glorify means to cause the honor, worth, and dignity of someone else to be acknowledged and revealed. That is always to be our prayer. We see it with Christ. Christ wants the Father to be glorified. And Christ in knowledge knows that the way that the Father is going to be glorified is if the Father glorifies the Son. But as the Son is glorified, the Son is able to glorify the Father. It's kind of a circle, isn't it? How did Jesus glorify the Father? Well, He tells us, by finishing the work that you gave me to do, verse 4. He's truly the only human being who has, not only in all things, But even in one measure, can any of us outside of Christ glorify the Father? The answer is no. Don't kid yourself. It's only in Christ that we can. Because He is the only one of whom it can be said, I have glorified the Father on the earth. He did it by finishing the work that the Father gave to Him to do by fulfilling the law in all righteousness and obedience, by offering up His life to that suffering and shame of the cross to accomplish the salvation of His people. In this is eternal life, that they may know You, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom You have sent. Father, I'm giving myself over so that they may know You. And the question that meets us in respect of hallowed be your name is how how do I glorify the Father in my life? How can I do that? While being in Christ, believing on the Lord, looking at the salvation that the Father has accomplished in His Son to bring you that forgiveness and acceptance in His sight, Believing in Jesus is preeminently and especially where it begins. Because only Christ is the living and true way to the Father. But it goes beyond that because as we are in Christ, so His grace at work in us begins to help us to live a life that brings Him glory. Uh, Just very quickly, if you turn to Philippians Chapter 1. And you look at verses 9 to 11. Philippians 1, 9 to 11. Paul is praying here. As he is thanking God. And as he acknowledges God. What he does is he begins to to pray for the church. And his prayer is that in verse 9. Love may abound more and more in knowledge and all discernment. That you may approve the things that are excellent. That you may be sincere without offense. That you may be filled with the fruits of righteousness. And look how it ends. To the glory and praise of God. As our catechism question says. To glorify Him in thought, word, and deed. 
Are you approving what is excellent? <laughs> you know, you hear people, Christians will say, well, well, I, I was being sincere in what I did. So that should be fine with God. Well, was your speech excellent? How about your thoughts? How about your deeds? How about your worship? How about your your relationships? How about your life that we don't see at night? How about those things? Sincerity doesn't cut it. You see here in Philippians 1 verse 10 that it says, sincere and without offense. (laughs) It's a sincerity that is seeking to obey and do the will of God. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness. Remember what Jesus said, let your light shine before men that when they see your good works, they may what? Glorify your Father who is in heaven. It's about having our own mind tuned to the glory of the Father and not to self. And that's why this prayer is so important to be echoed in our prayers, in our thoughts before God. Hallowed be your name. And last, not only to highly esteem the Father and to glorify the Father, but this prayer meets us in our own lives to guard against unbelief. And this is where, just very quickly, I bring it to that whole issue of what we are asking God to do. Because hallowed be your name is a petition that confronts our faith and confidence in God. And by beginning with God's name, what you are in fact beginning to do in your prayers, think about it in this way, before I finish that sentence, think about it in this way. You are wanting to bring a big need to God. It it can be something about someone maybe who has contracted cancer, and, and you want God to come and bring healing to them. And you come to God with this huge request, but you just jump in, God... You said you would take care of your people and whatever we brought before you uh, that you would do so that God may be glorified. Be glorified in healing this person of cancer and you come with faith and confidence but you don't stop and say, hallowed be your name. And God instead has chosen to hallow His name in the death of that person. What happens to your faith and confidence You see, why we begin here is that we must understand we do not know how God will glorify His name, how He will make His holiness known in in various circumstances of life. But when we begin with God, we are stirring our heart out of unbelief into faith and confidence in whatever God deems will glorify Him preeminently. That's hard, isn't it? It's not easy to accept God's will. But do you believe? Do you believe that God is sovereign in ruling your life? Do you believe that God is working all things 
and by definition in Romans 8.28, when he says he works all things, what are those all things? It's specifically looking at sufferings. You, you see that in the whole context surrounding that. He will work all things, all of your sufferings for good. Do you believe that? We pray, hallowed be your name. Father, I don't know the end of this, but if, if you can be glorified in my suffering. <laughs> and what is the great example of that? <laughs> it's Christ himself, isn't it? He was glorified in the sufferings of his son. Then fill up in my flesh the sufferings of Christ that you may be glorified. When we have that thought guarding us in our prayers, my friends, it, it removes from our hearts the seeds of unbelief and ignorance and idolatry and profanity where we are no longer accusing God and thinking he doesn't love me. What in the world is God doing? He comes and meets us as God saying, I am glorifying my name, hallowing. How well do you regard the Father's name in your life and prayers? Just remember that in Christ, the Father is sovereignly ruling your life for the purpose of glorifying Him in you. And with Christ as your Savior, He promises you the grace you need, the working of His Spirit. The Father will hallow his name in you. May that be our prayer too. Let's pray.